Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us as we welcome everyone back. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right, so let's get to it. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Cody Martin gets a screen. Cody with seven seconds. Got to go. Cody, a three for the lead. Got it. Cody gives Nevada a one-point lead. 3.6 seconds to go. 72-71 Nevada. Actually watched a, uh, actually a chunk of that game last night because I really had not had a big chance to watch Nevada play. Five senior starters, including Martin, is a really good three-point shooter. And they've done a, uh, a really good job there of uh, getting the transfers to play really well together. And that's where that's where they're having success. And Musselman's done a great job with them. They uh, played at Boise last night. It's always been one of your goals, Sean, to broadcast a, a Boise game. So. Yeah, the only difference is, uh, yeah, no, you know, no blue court last night. <laughs> no blue court. No blue uh, in court. fact, it's, yep. it's funny because Kevin Kugler and I were talking this afternoon. Cougs. Uh, about, uh, for for whatever reason, Kevin Fellow's name came up. Kevin played basketball here for uh, Ed DeCellis, uh years ago. And Ed, he was, I think he's the, I think he's the only player Penn State's ever had from Idaho. And so, so he said, gee, I wonder what he's doing now. And, of course, you can Google anybody. And he found out that Kevin got married in 2010, supply chain uh, graduate, and is working at United Technologies in Connecticut. Wait till I tell Cougar, because Cougar says, you'll never bring this up on your show. I said, I might. <laughs> I didn't realize it would be so soon because you played the Boise State highlight to connect. Uh Idaho and and Penn State. There you go. Uh, Well done. Very well done. Penn State will play Iowa tonight. Uh, There is a question on whether Tyler Cook will play tonight for Iowa. He did hurt his ankle again in the victory over Ohio State. Uh, Iowa is a very good offensive team. They're not a great defensive team, but they are certainly a team that plays a lot harder than last year. And that's helped them. They got off to an 0-3 start in the conference. And a lot of people went, oh boy. And now they've won their last three. What was interesting about their win over Northwestern is this. Their win at Northwestern was the first time in 12 road games where Iowa was not behind by 17 points or more. How about that? 
That is a stunning, mind-boggling stat. It's a stunning, mind-boggling stat that you'd go on the road and each of of 12 road games, spanning back, obviously, to last year, you were behind by 17 points or more. That's a wow. Good team, though. Playing well. Playing harder. Uh, you've got Tyler Cook is a, can be a big-time player. Joe Wieskamp. The freshman has been terrific for them. And a good all-around player. He's a good shooter, good rebounder, plays hard. And again, Wieskamp is one of those guys who grew up in Iowa and his, his lifelong dream was to play Iowa basketball. Obviously, I've been doing this for not quite, but almost 40 years. You know, 37 years of, of Penn State basketball. And no matter what has been done here, where are the guys whose lifelong dream has it been to play Penn State basketball? I mean, there's you do have some Division One players every once in a while between the Ohio border and southeastern Pennsylvania. But, look, the vast majority of Division One talent is in that southeast corridor. That's why Pat Chambers has gone down there. He knew he had to. I mean, what were his choices? All right, let's get into the uh, transfer part for a moment because obviously uh, more names have been put in. And as I pointed out, now I don't know how many times I've said this, um, but I mean, I think you always have to repeat yourself on certain things because you know the audience changes all the time. Just because you put your name in doesn't mean you're leaving. But I'm sure, let's be honest about it, you can make the safe assumption the vast majority of those who will put their name into the transfer database across the country, the vast majority are going to go someplace else. But it doesn't mean all of them. So it does put a head coach in a position at this time of the year to pick out a couple of guys and look at them and try to, quote, re-recruit them. Now, who might that be along the way? I mean, I mean, I'll start with this. I thought Ryan Snyder of Blue White Illustrated wrote a very thoughtful article about Lamont Wade. Did a good job of... of Getting in, finding some contact points somewhere, and that would be a guy. Let's see. I mean, it was Ryan's opinion, and I don't know because I have not talked to James Franklin. I haven't talked to Lamont Wade. I haven't talked to anybody. It was Ryan Snyder's opinion that Wade might be a fifty-fifty guy. Okay. All of these players that have put their name into the transfer portal here have put their names in, and the only starters they've lost that were scheduled to come back next year happen to be the five players that entered the NFL draft. Ryan Bates, Connor McGovern, Kevin Given, Sharif Miller, Miles Sanders. Of those five, the only one that did surprise me was Kevin Givens. 
But again, I'll be honest with you. I don't know Kevin Givens as well. You know, my my times talking to Kevin have been limited. John Franco coached him at Altoona. I have any any good read I have on on him comes from John. John John always talks to me about every, about every time I see him about a lot of things. Um. So. And then you look at the guys that have put their names in the transfer portal. You know, I feel Lamont Wade is the kind of guy that, that can give you, well, I mean, he can fight for a starting job, but he's going to give you valuable depth. Jawan Johnson would. Look, Jawan Johnson's a hard worker. So what I always said about the difference between he and Irv Charles was that, was that they both had great talent. In fact, Charles may have had more talent than Jawan. But Jawan always worked at his craft, and I think I said that on that show many times. On this show many times. And then there's you know, and Lamont Wade. Yeah, it's, Lamont Wade is talented, but he got more snaps this past season on special teams than he did on defense. I mean, you're getting four to eight or nine snaps a game, being the dime defensive back. And there were two moments this season that I think said a lot about where everybody was standing with this. And that's when Garrett Taylor had to sit out after a second-half targeting call. And Nick Scott had to sit out because of a second-half targeting call. And each time, the answer was Jonathan Sutherland starting. So that brings us now to Aaron Monroe, who announced he is going to transfer. I think Aaron Monroe has a chance, wherever he goes, to be a good player. When he played for Penn State, I really liked him. I liked. The, I thought he played the run well. I thought he was good against the pass. I thought he played the run really well. I thought he was improving against the pass. He did not play the pass as well as the run, in my opinion. Aaron Monroe's biggest problem, though, as to what, quote, held him back is something he can't control, and that is he kept getting banged up all the time. Well, when you get banged up, what happens? It's not that you're missing games. You're missing practices. And when you're missing practices for extended periods of time, which happened to him several times in his career, you're not getting enough reps, and the door becomes open to somebody passing you out. Because, And you can't control it. You're injured. You're hurt. But in the end, that does play a role. You may be a talented guy, but you don't have enough reps to have people to really trust where you are. I think wherever he goes, if he stays healthy, I think he'll play well. Danny Dalton. I think Danny Dalton is another guy whose talent I really like. Catches the ball well. Could be a better blocker, but catches the ball well. But same story with him. He'd get banged up here and there, and then he'd miss practices. And then all of a sudden he's sitting on the depth chart, and he's looking, and there's a true freshman who's lighting it up playing as well as anybody you could possibly ask to play this position in Pat Fryermuth. Nick Bowers finally got himself an injury-free year. And look how well he played this year. And then there's Jonathan Holland. Now suddenly you're sitting there, you're fourth. You know, these guys want to play, and I don't blame them. They want to play. Alex Gellerstadt. You know, it takes longer for linemen anyway. But Alex kind of has fallen, was playing in that a lot to the two to three area on the depth chart. You know, he's kept falling into that neighborhood there. And they keep bringing in other linemen. And if you noticed a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about Bates and McGovern going, I mentioned how Mike Miranda had been playing 
and Mike Miranda had put himself in a position where you felt like he had to play more because he had worked his way to that spot to play more. Now, he's not going to be Connor McGovern, but you know what? I think he's going to be a good player here, and it would be tough to keep him on the bench. Now, the tackle spot was a little bit different, so when I was talking about that, I talked about Rasheed Walker. I talked about the transfer from Lackawanna Community College Wigan, and I talked about you know the, the fact that Des Holmes can play guard or tackle. I never brought up Alex. It's not that I don't like Alex. It's not that I, it's just, but he spent so much time between two and three, and more three than two, that he wasn't working his way up the depth chart. And these guys want to play, so all these guys that go, I completely understand the desire to want to play because I believe in the end that's what's driving certain things. I mean, Brandon Polk's going to be a fifth-year guy. Well, Brandon Polk was a DNPCD his last four games. Did not play coach's decision. Okay. And you look at Dotson, you look at Shorter, you look at George, you look at Dunmore coming in, you look at Hamler, you look at Hippenhammer, Cam Sullivan Brown. Suddenly the inn of quality receivers is getting is getting crowded there. And it's not like these guys aren't hard workers. It's not like they don't they, they aren't out there working hard and trying. No, you know, they are. They are hard workers. But there also is a lot more talent in this program than before. And if and and part of it is not all, but part of it is every once in a while you run into a roadblock because misfortune hits you, and you're out for a week here or a couple weeks there or maybe three or four weeks there and all of a sudden that other talent is out there and it turns out they've had the fortune of not being banged up and you get passed and in a couple of cases, not all but in a couple of cases that's what happened and when you're talking about the level of talent Penn State has that possibility is absolutely there, then there's the next part let's talk about the quarterback's part not at Penn State, but across the country. Brandon Winbush knows right away. He looks at Ian Book and says, you know what? I'm not going to win the job there. That's been decided. So he goes to UCF. Jalen Hurts may have great personal confidence in his own ability, but you have to be smart enough to look at Tua Tunga Viola and go, <laughs> okay, I'm not going to win that one. And then, uh, so he picked Oklahoma today. And then there's Tate Martell. And just the mere thought that Justin Fields was going to be. And again, this is part of the other part that you you have to bring into account here. Let's take Tate Martell for a moment. He's bold about, you know, Fields coming here in the beginning. But one thing we don't know, his position coach was Ryan Day. We have no idea over the past nine months between spring practice, preseason, in-season, what was said and not said uh, to Tate Martell by Ryan Day. For all we know, it was all positive and glowing. Okay? 
For all we know, maybe there was some negativity in there. For all we know, there was a mixture of both. For all we know, he looked at Fields and said, I don't know if he can beat him out, why they're bringing him in here. Or for all we know, he thought after going through the experience of having Ryan Day as a position coach, maybe he felt he needed to go someplace else. I don't know. But he ended up at Miami. All right, we'll take a break. Come back with more in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Sunbury Motors Hyundai has the brand new Hyundai you deserve with savings of over $7,000. Buy a $25,000 2018 Santa Fe for only $18,259. That's a savings of over seven grand. A 2018 Hyundai Elantra is discounted to an unbelievable $14,810. Sunbury Motors Hyundai has a 2018 Santa Fe Sport that was $34,890 and now only $28,840. Hyundai comes with America's best 10-year 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. No matter what size SUV you're looking for, Sunbury Motors has it. 2019 Hyundai Konas, only 23210. 2019 Hyundai Tucson, only 26110. 2019 Santa Fe's, only 26775. And the 2019 Santa Fe XL starts under 30 grand. Now, now is the time to get the new Hyundai you deserve. From Sunbury Motors Hyundai in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. Jack Ham and I were talking about the transfers this morning. And it got to a point where, you know, look, this all began October 15th. So this has only been in play for three months, literally three months. And players are now experiencing for the first time that kind of freedom. So you're going to see a lot of pay, uh, players attempt to uh, take advantage of that freedom. Perfectly fine. That's why the rule was put in play. But uh, Jack said, you know, is there a deadline on any of this? I said, no. I said, it's, it can happen at any time. But I am of the opinion that you will see uh, players opting for the transfer database for the most part in January, late April, May, and then maybe at the end of August or possibly at the end of September. So why is that? January is obvious because that's the end of one semester and the beginning of the next. Okay. End of April into May, spring practice is over. You now have a better handle on where you think you stand. End of August is the is training camp, or could it be late September, early October? Why is that? Because of the four-game rule. I think the four-game rule does play a role in this. And one of the reasons I think the four-game rule plays a role in this is that you have a lot of coaches getting some of the younger talent in that they feel they can trust, keeping them to four games or fewer, and they're making up, at times, the depth. So it does play a role, in my opinion. Because now you have, instead of looking at a player and saying, we're going to redshirt them unless it's absolutely necessary to play them, you're now finding that these players are filling in depth spots at certain times of the year 
and it also is causing the possibility that somebody who's been there longer but may not either have the talent yet or they have not fulfilled their talent yet, you know, because everybody develops on their own clock. Now there's that fear they're getting passed out by said guy. Or you may be in a situation like take Jahan Dotson, where you need to get that guy, you got to play him. You have to play him. So he's going to play more than four games. So I'm wondering, and just wondering, because this is the first year for all of these items, the four-game rule, the, the transfer database, and so forth, what kind of role each is playing into the other. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great product, wide variety of product. Great sales staff. They think of you and your budget. And when it comes to service, top-notch. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Roots 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Jalen Hurts made the announcement on the Players' Tribune today that he will go to Oklahoma. So he becomes a one-year transition for Lincoln Riley there. There is a quarterback that they have recruited that I believe Lincoln Riley is very high on, but he is not going to be an early entry. He's not going to come in until the end of June, early July. So Hertz will be able to transfer and play right away there, which means he'll be at spring practice, which will help him. We already know Brandon Wimbush is going to Central Florida, and we know that Tate Martell ended up at Miami. Martell, as of right now, will have to sit out a year. Winbush has his degree. He can play right away. Hertz has his degree. He can play right away. There's been a lot of talk about the Penn State transfers. As, you know, any... I would say the vast majority of those across the country who have put their name into the transfer database will end up someplace else, the vast majority, but not all. You may see several players, after looking around, saying, you know what, my best situation is still back where I was. And with Penn State, I'll hold that out there. That, And in some cases, some coaches may have to, in some small way, re-recruit their guys. That they sit back and go, whoa, you're transferring? Now, I don't think, you know, Penn State, James Franklin and his staff stay in close contact with these guys all the time. I don't really think there are a lot of surprises here for them. And again, you're talking about players who in their own right have talent, but at the same time, the talent level in the program has increased from the underclassmen. And sometimes you get war and sometimes it may be a situation where you get banged up, you've had to miss some some period of time and so forth, and in that process, if you're not practicing, you're not getting the reps and the door is open to getting passed out. Again, that's not your fault. But again, the program has to keep moving forward. They can't wait for you either. All right. Tonight, Penn State, Iowa. At the George Center, Chad Lysticky joins us from the Des Moines Register, who was actually here in State College. He'll be covering the game tonight. Chad, welcome. It's great to have you with us. We hope you're enjoying State College. Doing well, doing well. Hope you're enjoying. Hope you're enjoying State College. Uh, let's see. Let's go with last year. It was quote an underachieving year. I really liked what I saw 
from the freshman group the first year than last year, yeah. it didn't quite go as well. What has changed for them in the dynamics of this team, or is it just as simple as getting a year older? Well, that's certainly part of it. Um, yeah, they were <clears throat> uh, really young last year, uh, even though it seemed like they were young. Uh, two years ago when they almost made the NCAA tournament, they did have uh, a first-team All-Big Ten senior in Peter Jock, and he kind of uh, you know, took them into road environments and helped them out there. And then, and I think they were just kind of lost last year without a true leader. Um, so, the, and this year, yeah, they are a year older, but they really have um, spent a lot of time in the off season focused on defense. <laughs> yeah. um, anybody who watched the Iowa Penn State game here a year ago knows that Iowa uh, pretty much played no defense. There was three Penn State dunks in 39 seconds, and. Uh, that was kind of indicative of how one-sided that game was. I think it was 82-58. They have been able to, uh, as you mentioned, be much better defensively, not even close. Is this a team that's been able, as Fran mixed up some defenses along the way, played a little bit of zone, played some man, tried to keep teams off balance? Has that been part of his plan? It is, yeah. It's it's actually... Um, uh, some fans don't like it uh, that he switches defenses so much. You think, and, and there is a you know, I think a, a reasonable explanation that why you wouldn't do that because if you're not going to be really great at any of them, you know why you know, you're better to be great at one part of it than than not great at any of it. So, but he has kind of mixed them up effectively, and they haven't. You know, they've had good games and bad games. Um, they do come in. Um, playing their two best defensive games of the season. Right. Uh, coming in here, they held Northwestern to 63, and that was without their leading scorer, Tyler Cook. And then they held Ohio State uh, on Saturday to 62 uh, and won both games by 10 points. You mentioned Tyler Cook. He uh, put his name into the NBA draft uh, to go through the process. When the process was over, he made the decision to return to Iowa, which I think everyone would agree was the right decision for him as as a player. Uh, what has it meant to this team that he has been able to be out there and be as productive as he has been this season? Well, uh, he's been uh, pretty dynamic um, when he plays. Um, he, he did miss the Northwestern game, like I mentioned, and he may miss tonight's game. Um, that would be a big loss for Iowa. Uh, with an ankle injury, but uh, but he played yeah. but he played against Ohio State though, right? Yeah, but he got hurt. Uh, at the, it was about four minutes to go. He turned his ankle uh, pretty bad and uh, did not return. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, his he's he's been deemed a game time decision for tonight. Um, but in his last ten games, he has played. Uh, he's had at least fifteen points and five rebounds. He's one of only two players in the country that that can say that um, that they've done that this year. So. Yeah, he's a force inside. He draws a lot of fouls. That's yeah. one of the best things about him is he he, he draws fouls and gets gets opponent uh, opponents in foul trouble. That's what Iowa did the last couple games. And Iowa gets a lot to the free throw line, which really helps them. They're a team that has more free throws made than free throws attempted. It seems like they are a team that that's part of their formula if they can get to the free throw line more often than the other team. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. They're actually number one in the country, I yep. believe, in uh, uh, free throw makes. And so, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a huge part of their game. And, uh, yeah, I think they're, they're number one in the country in free throw rate, uh, the Ken Palm statistic. So it just tells you that they uh, that's what they do. Um, they, they've got some length inside. Um, they haven't really been shooting the three very well lately. Uh, so, so they have been kind of relying on that inside game and trying to draw fouls. Luca Garza 
is a really good big man who who actually shoots really well from the line too. So um, it's kind of a unique combination. I also think that he's he's become a better player along the line. Tell us a little bit about Joe Wieskamp. Yeah, yeah, he's a really good freshman. Uh, he's he might be he might be the second third best player on the team um, already. He's he's the highest rated recruit that McCaffrey's ever had. Uh, he committed to Iowa as a freshman. I mean, he's, he's from Iowa. Kind of always wanted to be a Hawkeye, so you know Iowa kind of got a break there. But yeah, he's about a six foot six swingman um, who can who who does a nice job getting offensive rebounds and putbacks. Uh, but he can also create his own shot. So um, he's going to be a guy I think you know people in the Big Ten will be sick of you know three years <laughs> from now. You know the Brian Cardinals of the world. You know the yes. never leave. Uh, yeah, I think he, he's kind of got that kind of tenacity to him too. Which I think allows them to do something that he he wants to do, and that's bring Nicholas Bear off the bench. What mm-hmm. kind of energy does Bear bring to the floor, and do you agree he's more suited in that bench energy role? I do, yeah, and and I think um, Nicholas uh, he does bring a lot of energy. He brings it in spurts. He he gets fatigued pretty quickly, um, so he do, he can't play. 30 minutes a game the way at the pace he plays because he goes all out when he's out there uh, but he is um, he's a six foot seven he doesn't he doesn't look like he'd be a great player but <laughs> he gets steals he gets blocks he kind of does some dirty work he'll get you an offensive rebound here and there uh, but uh, I will say this if, if Tyler Cook does not go tonight I think he probably will be in the starting lineup uh, in Cook's place just because they're they'd be running low on big men then uh, in that case what kind of season is Jordy Bohannon had yeah, um, he, interesting. He's he uh, is probably uh, down uh, in in scoring. He he doesn't he isn't shooting as much, and that's that's a big uh, uh, difference from the past. You, you typically would see him shoot you know ten, eleven three pointers in a game and probably make four or five of them. Uh, but now he's kind of dialed it back uh, with more scoring options around him, and um, yeah, he's. He's having a solid season. Uh, he's he's probably not um, he's not going to be you know considered a great defender. So a lot of times uh, teams will kind of go after him um, on the defensive end of the floor. So um, yeah, but he's he's a real solid player. I yeah. think an underappreciated player even among the Iowa fans. Chad, you mentioned down among big men. Part of this too is uh, Cordell Pemsel getting hurt and being out for the mm-hmm. year. Only played you know a couple games, and Jack Nungy being um, being redshirted right now. Yeah. What's been the domino of you know? Nungy was playing, Pemsel was not. Was there any temptation to play Nungy because of Pemsel's injury? Right. Yeah. That was uh, that was a question that came up pretty early on, and, and they were pretty. Fran was Fran McCaffrey was pretty. Uh, steadfast on that, that Nunji needed the redshirt year. He he started and played quite a bit as a yeah. freshman last year. Right. Um, he's a six eleven guy that can shoot from the outside. Um, probably needed to add some bulk. And uh, I mean, the door is completely shut on that now because he actually suffered uh, uh, yeah. an injury where he's he's going to be out for the year anyway. Right. Uh, Nunji, so <laughs> um, so so yeah, I was just just doesn't have that many options right now um, on the interior. Right, Ryan Creener might would be one, right? Yes, he's uh, yeah he's six nine. He's longest wingspan on the team. Uh, he's about two fifty five, and wingspan's about seven four. So uh, he's kind of he's kind of hit or miss in, in these games. I mean, sometimes he's really good. Sometimes 
uh, you know, you kind of wonder what he's thinking out there. So, um, you know, but he's but he he's a guy that plays hard. He actually gives them some grit on defense. I think that's been one of the big uh, differences. You actually kind of plug him in and take Nunji out. Nunji was a little bit more, you know, d- just didn't have that girth and and bulk for the Big Ten yet. And Creener kind of brings that. He's a, he's just a big wide body who's kind of intense and kind of nasty inside. Um, but like I said, if he could have. You know, 16 points tonight, he could have two. You just never know with him. Uh, if I recall, Iowa got off to an 0-3 start in the conference. What was the mood considering how last year turned out, and how has that changed over the last three conference games? Yeah, great question, uh, because you hit the nail on the head. The Iowa fan base was really um, frustrated, antsy, sick of it. Uh, when they when they dropped to 0-3, they just they didn't even hardly show up in that that Purdue loss. Now that was the the, the Tyler Trent game, so there was a lot of emotion in that building. Right, yeah. And they got they got completely blown out. Um, wasn't even. I mean, I think the final margin may have been 16, but it wasn't even close to that. And um, and and it extended an amazing stat that that was the 11th straight uh, Big Ten road game um, that Iowa had trailed a game by at least 17 points. Holy man! Um, yeah, and they finally put that to an end uh, at Northwestern the other day. So, uh, you know, this has not been a good road team. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight, based off all that. Because um, suddenly now people are excited. I mean, the Hawkeyes are ranked. I think their net rankings in about right around thirty, which is a good number. Yep. Uh, at this point in the season, they've got fourteen wins um, as a team already, and they had fourteen total all last year. Uh, I think uh, you know they went 11 and 0 in the non-conference with some pretty solid wins in there. Iowa State, UConn, Oregon, um, Pittsburgh might end up being a decent win. So right. um, you know, there's they've at least got kind of got that uh, resume built. Now that now the question is, can they get you know to to nine or ten conference wins? And what have your thoughts been when you've had a chance to glance at Penn State? Yeah, it looks like they they have a good starting five, and then not much after that. Am I reading that correctly? Is that kind of the? Yeah, yeah. I think it can be like their bench has only produced two points in the last two games total. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that tells me that uh, you know if Iowa can get that foul trouble, uh, they've gotten opponents in foul trouble all year long. If they can kind of repeat that formula, they'll have a good chance. Um, I did see Penn State's actually favored tonight, so that tells me. That uh, you know, oddsmakers think that that the Nittany Lions are uh, you know better than people realize, and maybe ready for a bounce back. We'll find out starting at seven tonight. Chad, thanks a lot for your time. I appreciate it on game day. You join us. Yeah, absolutely. I had good questions. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. So thank you, Chad Lysticky, joining us from. The Des Moines Register, and in fact, he's here in State College. Uh, Daryl Bevel is going to be the new offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. And, of course, uh, Daryl Bevel, uh, the former offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks, who didn't think Marshawn Lynch was the best option on the goal line against the Patriots. What <laughs> I was brought up in the interview. <laughs> well, Matt Patricia ought to know. He, he was he was defending it. Could be the icebreaker in the interview. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I get that. Boy, that play call there, Malcolm Butler. Is what a play. Uh, you ever think? You know, you get by the goal line, you still think about Marshawn Lynch. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll come back. Wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors. 
Well, coaches uh, today in college football have to start thinking about life in three-year windows. I mean, it got to a point where we were so used to, you know, in the 60s and into the early 70s, because of the freshman rule, you'd think about things in three-year windows as sophomore, junior, senior. And then a lot of red-shirting started taking place. Nebraska was one of the leaders in red-shirting. You know, Penn State certainly was one of the leaders in red-shirting. And so everybody started thinking about college football in four- and five-year windows. Yes, you'd have your four-year players, but you had a lot of guys going the five-year route. And when they got to be red-shirt seniors, that was considered to be some gold for you. You were experienced, older, um, been around the block. Nobody was leaving early for the NFL, so you had them. And there's no question that, you know, I always hear, all the coaches had all the power in college football. Well, that's because the rules allowed it to be that way. Uh, because, you know, and the rules, you know, I always love when I hear somebody, you know, there's usually the, the, all the coaches had all the power in college football. Um, excuse me, here in the back, the draft rules all deal with the NFL Players Association and the NFL. It has nothing to do with college coaches. Now, what does involve college coaches where everything's changed is, is the transfer rules. Let's let's go back to basketball for a moment. Remember when Jared Udoff, and Penn State's playing Iowa tonight, Jared Udoff originally committed to play at Wisconsin for Bo Ryan. He sat out his uh, freshman year to become a redshirt freshman the next year. So he's going to play five years. But then he decided after a year to transfer, and Bo Ryan initially put out a list of I, somewhere around 30 schools that he could not transfer. All the Big Ten schools, 13, all the ACC schools, because they play in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, believe it or not. And there were a couple of other schools he wouldn't let him transfer to. And Udoff was stuck in this no-man's land, and I think that really brought out the, whoa, hey, you know, we have to give kids more latitude here because that was so restrictive. Well, in the end, Udoff was allowed to transfer, he did transfer within the conference. He went to Iowa, which happens to be his home state, and he played well. Now you have it, and this rule's only been in effect in college football since October 15th, but for the first time, players are exercising their ability to move around. Now, you still have the same rules in place in terms of when you're allowed to play. Tate Martell is going to have to sit out a year at Miami. But because they're both graduates, Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma and Brandon Winbush at UCF will be able to play right away. A guy like Jawan Johnson can elect to come back to Penn State, play right away, or he can go someplace else and play right away because he already has his degree. So Jawan's in that position, uh, which is a, which for him strategically is a good position. There are other guys that don't have the degree yet, and if they go someplace else, they are going to have to sit out unless they can get a waiver. But I would think January, late April, May, and maybe the other times, maybe maybe the end of August, maybe, and maybe at the beginning of October when somebody's exhausted four games, 
Those are about the times when I would expect to see names entering the transfer database. Now, that's a guess on my part. I'm trying to use the calendar and the logic of semesters, end of spring practice, end of training camp, end of first four games. I'm trying to use that logic because this rule's been in place for three months, three months and a day. But so far, for the most part, you're seeing guys move on that might not be starters at places. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.